Welcome back everyone. Don't forget to go follow, subscribe, whatever you want to do so that you can get the latest episodes. Uh, that will really help me out, get the show out further to people. The show is growing. It's been a blast. I've had a lot of fun with it. Don't forget to give it five stars. Uh, share it with all your friends. That would be very helpful. The show is growing and it's been fantastic and I've loved every second of it. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for your continued listenership. It's been great. Great news that the Braves have moved on to finally break that streak in 19 years. I'm elated right now. I can't wait to see how they do against the Marlins. I really think they have a good chance. Today we have another special guest. I'm super excited for you guys to listen to this interview. Let's jump in. So this interview is with the one and only Old School from the Coach's Daughter Show of 104.3 ESPN Panama City. I really am excited to get him on the show because he brings a really cool perspective that some of us forget about. You know, it's in his name, Old School, and he really likes to talk about the old school style baseball. And it really enlightens me to some of the things that I tend to forget when I dig really far deep into statistics. There's a lot of things that deal with baseball that are not just numbers. And there's a lot of things in baseball that influence the numbers that are not just numbers based. And what I mean by that is there's little things that happen in baseball that... Just looking at stats, you'd never be able to tell that happened. And, of course, you know, we argue the old eye test and all that stuff, but there is some good stuff to be said about the eye test. And if all you do is look at numbers, are you really enjoying the game? I'd say there's fun in numbers, but there's also fun in just sitting back and watching the game. Old school brings a lot of wisdom and a lot of insight to the game that I really enjoy talking baseball with him anytime I get the chance. He's been a Braves fan for years, and it's always fun to talk baseball with him. So I hope you guys enjoy this interview, listening to him, giving his insight, his wisdom, and his memories about the Braves. I hope you guys enjoy. But first, we're going to go hit a break real quick. Thanks so much for joining the show, Old School. It's a huge honor to have you on the show. I've really enjoyed the conversations we've had in the past, and you've always had such great insight, so I'm really excited that you're joining the show. Well, I'm excited too. You know, it's it's been fun getting to know you. We've enjoyed having you on the Coach's Daughter Show a lot. We think you add a whole lot to our broadcast. and You know, I'm... I had the name old school because I guess that's what I am. I'm just an old guy that, you know, fell in, fell in love with baseball at a very young age. And so, you know, it's hard for me to see the changes in the game at times, but yet at at the same time, I enjoy seeing the game, the changes in the game. It's just that, you know, it takes time to get used to it. I agree. I mean, there's been so much changes in just the past five to ten years that the game that I grew up watching, uh, you know, 20 years ago when I was a kid, it's it's so much different now. So you're a co-host on oh, the coach. Oh, it is. Yeah, uh, you're a co-host on the coach's daughter's show on ESPN Panama City. To me, that's such an awesome job, and it's such an awesome show. So 
I, I want to ask you, how did you end up working on the show? You know, it was a very strange coincidence. I, I, I was working over in the Pensacola area, putting on concerts and doing uh, different live shows at an at a, uh, old historic theater. And I met Randy Williams, who owns the radio station here. And at the time that we first met, Randy was just working on the, the idea of, of opening a radio station in Panama City. And I told him, you know, I thought it was a great idea. My wife and I had been coming to Panama City on vacation for years. Always loved it. And uh, I told him, I said, I, you know, I've never heard sports radio in Panama City. So you know, I think there's a good market there. And so he did. And then, I, you know, I came over and, and was just really kind of helping him with sales and a few different things. And one day, uh <clears throat> Kyle Wright was one of the hosts at that point, and we got into a discussion here at the station. And he goes, "Hey, you're you're pretty knowledgeable about sports. Why don't you know? Why don't you come on the show?" And so we, you know, he start we started the the segment of the show called Rapid Fire. So every day I would just you know call in and and give my opinions on Rapid Fire, and and they coined a phrase for me being the frequent flyer or Rapid Fire. <laughs> and uh, from there, you know, I, you know, one day I was happened to be in the studio when it was showtime, and Leanne and Kyle said, "Well, why don't you just sit in today?" And so I did, and and it just kind of, I don't know, kind of the the chemistry there kind of worked. So I I just started being on the show all the time, and it has been, you know, a really fun thing for me. Um, you know, I've just been an avid sports fan my whole life. And so getting to, to talk about sports, you, you know, you kind of forget that there's thousands of people listening to you on the radio. You're just kind of sitting around in the room and you're, you're talking about sports. So it's been a lot of fun doing. And it's, it's, you know, I've had the privilege of talking to really cool people, Bobby Bowden and all the kinds of different uh, athletes and you know Chip Carey, you you got to be on that show when we talked to Chip, and it's just really been a lot of fun to just you know get to share your opinions and and we laugh and we cut up and we have fun with each other and, and it's it's a fun show to put on and I think that the listeners hear that we're having fun and then therefore they're also enjoying it. I agree. It's always a it's always a blast whenever. I hear you guys on the radio because I feel like it's just people that love talking sports and and um, it's it's always fun to listen to you guys. I also feel like you're a psychic because the next question was I was going to ask you if any of the interviews that you've had since you've been on the show really stick out as one you're really excited about and you just named Bobby Bowden and Chip Carey and a few others. So, uh, man, that was so fun. I've I that. Being on the show with you guys when uh, Chip Carey called in and being able to talk to him was – that's something I'm going to be telling my kids probably for the rest of my life. That was such a such a fun time. But uh, do you have any other interviews really yeah. that really stick out to you? Yeah, the, the Bobby Bowden interview really speaks out, uh, sticks out to me just because I grew up, you know, as a young man watching Bobby Bowden in Florida State and Seminoles and I always admired him. You know, I, I love the fact that he was a man of faith and that he, you know, really um, was not afraid to share 
his beliefs and, and he, he felt like he had a mission of working with the young men that were playing for him. And so when he retired, you know, we were all, it was kind of sad to see, you know, him, him go and some other old coaches, you know, in their careers. And so the, the opportunity to sit and have a conversation with him over the air about, you know, his career and his, and his life. And, and you hear stories of, you know, how he, you know, um, the disappointment that he had, that he experienced at times because he had dreamed of didn't come his way the way that he expected it to. And what it showed him was that he just needed to stay at Florida state. And I think, you know, the world was better because he did. And, and I know it was disappointing to him, but at the same time, he saw it as, you know, God kind of sharing with him that, Hey, this, you're where you need to be and just stay there and, and uh, keep doing what you're doing. And that was just, I guess the the one sentence or the one segment of the interview that really stuck out to me more than anything was he was talking about how the race situation with Florida State and having black players and when he when he first started to recruit black players he invited one particular player over to have dinner with him and his family <clears throat> and he he used the phrase boy and the the black athlete was he was taken back by it until he realized that Bobby referred to his sons as boy. Hey boy, you need to get get your homework done. Or hey boy, your mama told you you need to carry the trash out. And what he realized was it was not a term that he was using in a derogatory manner. It was a term that he used for his own kids. And so that it made this this young black athlete realize that Bobby felt the same way about his athletes that he felt about his own kids is that he was there. He loved them and he was, he was looking out for their best interests and he wanted the best for them the same way that he wanted the best for his own kids. And that was, to me, that was the most telling moment of the interview of what type of man that he really was. That's awesome. Uh, wow. That almost, that kind of brought chills to me, honestly, that was, that's awesome. Um, Man, I would have, that would have been hard if I was on the on the other line, you know, not to get all choked up hearing him talk about stuff like that. That's really cool. It was. Uh, it was a really moving uh, interview that we did on the air. And, and you know, I, I was a fan beforehand, but after talking to him on the phone, it, my the, the relationship changed from being a fan to just admiration and respect. That's awesome. So let's um, shift gears to talking about the Braves a little bit. Uh, obviously, there have been okay. some great moments in Braves history. But um, do you have a moment that sticks out as one of your favorites? That's kind of a broad oh, question. Oh, yeah. But... I have one. <laughs> I, you know, I have one that, uh, that I will always – it will be my brave moment for – maybe till I'm not here anymore, but, you know, I became a fan of the Braves because I was living in Oklahoma city and, uh, the, you know, the, the Rangers, which was the, a team that I had followed when I lived in Dallas, they, you know, they weren't broadcast in Oklahoma city, but the Braves were for 
whatever reason, TBS. And so I, every night I would sit and watch the Braves game. And, and I, you know, that's where I developed my love for the Braves was watching them every night. And to, it was that magical year when uh, they went from being bad to being good. And the, you know, the, the, that play at the end of the game where, and I can't even remember the young man that had the base hit, but I know he, you know, he was not a starter. Um, you know, he just came up as a pinch hitter and, and just the most stressful situation he could be in, but he gets a, you know, line drive base hit and Sid Breen, you know, he's, he's hauling ass around to third base and I'm standing in my living room, jumping up and down, yelling, run, Sid, run, run, Sid. And when he scored, you know, I'm just, I mean, here I am. I'm a, I'm a 40 year old man jumping up and down like a, like a 10 year old kid because, you know, it was just, it was the first time that one of my teams had ever really accomplished it. You know, I grew up being an Astros fan uh, when they were really, when they were just, you know, had just been created from the Houston, they were called the, Colt 45s, they were a minor league team, and then they became a, you know, a, a, a team that, the, you know, that they created uh, to be on, in the National League. And, and, you know, that's where I grew up. I lived, and, and every night uh, I went to bed. My mother was a believer in having her kids in bed at 9 p.m., and and I hated it because I, I was listening to the to – the, Astros games or watching it on TV and so I would go to bed and I had a little transistor radio and I would lay in bed and listen to the end of the Astros games every day and there was an announcer for the Astros named Lowell Opass and he you know he just was great at telling a story and the Astros were bad I mean they they were not a good team and we were always just getting thumped by people but Every, you know, every once in a while, like, like all Major League Baseball teams, you know, we would win, you know, 50, 60 games a year, but we would lose, you know, far more. But those nights when we won, it was just magical. Uh, him telling the stories of Jimmy Wynn and Doug Rader and Joe Morgan and uh, Rusty Staub at first base and, you know, Cesar Cedeno in center field. And I just – you know, I just loved the game of baseball because of the stories and everything that goes into it. Because it's it's not a game of it's not a game of power or a game of of being bigger and stronger and faster. It's it's a game of you know, I for me, it's a game of of nine men working together to achieve a common goal. And, and everything from laying the bunt down to turning a double play to, you know, to hitting the cutoff man and throwing somebody out at a base, you know, it, it requires the whole team to all be pulling on the, the rope in the same direction. And I just fell in love with it. Um, I, you know, the funny part was I was not a good baseball player as a kid. I was a good fielder, but I could never hit. And so it's interesting that a game that which was probably the weakest of all the games that I played as a kid, I became the biggest fan of. I, I don't know why or how that happened, but it did. So that that moment of seeing the Braves go from 
you know, worst to first and Sid scoring the run and everybody, you know, tack, you know, diving on him at home play and, you know, the call of Braves win, Braves win, Braves win. I mean, I still, I, I get chills even thinking about it. So it was just that moment for me is always going to be my greatest moment as a Braves fan until they win the World Series. <laughs> right. Again. Again. I, uh, that's one of the moments that I hear some people talk about, and I just wish I would have. Um, I, I, I did not catch that moment when it happened, and I just, I, I wish I would have. Um, so it was special. Yeah. Sid Bream was not a fast runner, mm-hmm. and he was he was you know, lumbering around third base trying to get there, and 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 slid in. It was a very close play. Um. But it was just – it was special. That worst of first is a, is something that you you always hear of, but, you know, we actually as Braves fans got to experience it. That's that's awesome. So we've talked about uh, – you might have just answered my question because I was going to ask you, you know, we've talked about Chipper in the past and how he was a Mets killer and how you when he played the Mets you'd hear him yelling Larry and stuff, but – that made me think of, and and maybe it's Sid Bremer, but is there a, a player of yours that when you were growing up, it was just that was your guy? Or not when you were growing up, but when you became a Braves fan, really? Yeah, my, my first guy was Horner at third base. You know, he came right out of high school. He, he never went to the minors. Um, you know, he played third base. He was – he was a good fielder. He wasn't a great fielder, but he was powerful and he could, you know, he had a lot of home runs. He was a power hitter, um, lots of strikeouts, but he was the first guy I really liked. Um, and, you know, I guess the next guy, the next one that I just became a huge fan of was Andrew Jones in center field. Um, as, as a kid, being an Astros fan, uh, they had a center fielder named Cesar Cedeno. And he was kind of the the early, I don't know what you call him, maybe a, a trendsetter is he was big, he was fast, and he could run and hit. And um, and when Andrew Jones came up as a young guy, I think he was 19 when he broke into the majors, uh, he was the same way. He was fast, he could run, he could hit. And just, you know, a great defensive center fielder who then became a good, a good hitter later on. And that was very much like Cesar Cedeno was. So I, I think because I was such a fan of Cesar Cedeno, then I really um, grew to be a huge fan of, of, of Andrew Jones. I was – I think uh, Andrew Jones was probably a big a big part for me as well, helping me fall in love with the Braves. He um, – I really, man, he made the way he played center field just made it look so effortless. So almost to the point that you almost didn't realize how great of a play it was because he would make the hard plays look easy. You know, the interesting part was I I wasn't a big fan of Chipper when he first came up. Interesting. You know, I'd heard about him. Everybody was talking about this hot shot kid and, you know, can't miss the first round, you know, first draft pick of the draft. And he was Mr. Everything. And, 
when he first came up, I kind of didn't like him because he was cocky and uh, I kind of thought he was a he was uh, too big for his britches, so to speak. But yet, over time, because of the way that he played the game, the way that he was so dedicated to the game, and uh, then you know he 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 grew on me to the point where I I became a huge Chipper fan. Uh, and I loved it when he would go. We'd go to Shea Stadium, and the you know the fans were doing everything they could do to get on his, get under his skin. Uh, you know they're chanting Larry, Larry, and he just he didn't. And it all it did was fire him up to go out there and do something even even more detrimental to them. And he was he was a Mets killer, and it was fun to see him just put it on the nemesis time and time and time again. So. It's, it, you know, it's interesting how at first he, you know, he, he kind of rubbed me the wrong way, but later on as he matured, I guess my, my fandom of him matured as well. I agree. I, uh, now that, you know, watching Chipper as a kid and then in past, as I grew up, I did, I don't think I truly knew how great he was until after he retired and then I started analyzing, you know, his statistics and the things that he had done, you know, he was on the Braves for so long. So we watched him for so long. So we came to expect that greatness from him. And so when he finally stepped away from the game and you look back at what he actually did, it truly is mind blowing how good he was. Um, The way that he was able to be. And I think, Go ahead. I think that that moment where he, when he hurt his knee and he was laying on the, you know, laying on the, the field and, and, and you, everybody at that moment thought, uh oh, you know, this, this could be it for him. Mm-hmm. And the, the way that he was just so dedicated and so committed to coming back and being as good, if not better, than what he had been before, that's when you realized just how great of a player he was and how committed he was to be an all-around player. Great hitter, you know, good fielder, um, you know, clubhouse guy, really expecting and, and demanding of his teammates to play the game at the same level of intensity that he did. And I, that's when I really – you know, really, really gained a lot of respect for him was when he suffered that, you know, really bad knee injury, but yet made his way back and then even greater from there. Absolutely. So let's switch to this year's team. Do you think that uh, – Okay. Do you think that they have a shot to make it past the first round in the playoffs? Yeah, I do. You know, it's always it's always tough. You know, baseball's different from other sports and the fact that I was thinking about this today as I was driving around, you know, other sports, football, basketball, everybody says, "Well, you know, the playoffs are different because the refs let them play." Right? You watch you watch regular season basketball and you know, somebody goes driving through the lane for a, a, a layup 
and, and you know somebody just braze on him the ref's going to call a, a, a foul and he's going to get a you know an and one free throw but when you get into the playoffs all of a sudden it's different the refs let them play more they, they let them defensively get away with it more with what they can do how physical they are how you know how uh rough the game is played and the same with football you know the, and maybe they let the defensive backs get away with more. The linebackers get away with more. The, the linemen, you know, offensive linemen can hold a little better. Uh, so, but what baseball is, is it, they don't, it doesn't change. It's just the intensity level. The at-bats mean more. Every pitch means more. So I think for this year, the Braves have, a, you know, overachieved only not because, you know, always before it was pitching, 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 hope we can score some runs. And this year it's score, run, score, run, score, run. <laughs> hope, we can, we can get a, uh, hope we can get a, a pitcher to the third inning and not tax the, the uh, bullpen so bad. So, you know, to me, I'm, I'm thinking maybe this is the magic that we've needed is, uh, and I know everybody says good pitching beats bad, uh, good hitting. But it just seems like this year, it doesn't matter who they put out there. The Braves, you know, have become, you know, really good at wearing down pitchers. They keep fouling off pitches. They, they make them work. They get the pitch counts up. And they just wear them down. And in that six, seven, eight, nine, that's when the Braves come to life. So I, I think they can win. I'm not – I don't think they're good enough to beat the Dodgers. But I think they can win a, a series and, and get to, at least to the NLCS. And I would be very excited if they did. Oh, me too. Me too. Hope for the best. Um, if I think that if uh, Ian Anderson just gave up two runs in his start, so that's not promising. But uh, I think um, the Braves have been decimated by injuries in the starting rotation this year. I mean, they they don't even have any of the – now that Max Fried is back, they do, but at one point they didn't have any of their five original starting pitchers in the rotation. But now with Freed coming back and Anderson, if he can perform, and uh, Cole Hamels, if, if he's healthy enough, I mean, they'll have three at least above-average starters. Um, so I, I'm hopeful that they can make it past the first round. And, and with the new playoffs, they'll probably be playing a team in the first round that uh, typically they – wouldn't have made the playoffs in a regular season, but the NLCS would be, right. be fantastic. You know, it's, it seems weird that the Braves have always seemed to draw in the playoffs since they've gotten competitive again, they draw one of the better teams in, in the playoffs and, mm -hmm. and then they get, you know, they get beat. I'm hoping this year we, you know, maybe we can get lucky and be at a seed where, you know, we, we draw a team that, you know, is not necessarily as, as strong uh, as we have faced in the past in the playoffs. Like last year when we came up against the Cardinals. You know, I'm like, ah, oh, crap. You know, the Cardinals, why the Cardinals? Why couldn't we play somebody else? And sure enough, you know, we ran into a team that was really good. Uh, you know, we beat the Nationals over, you know, 162-game season. We were able to wear them down and, and win the division, but – that, you know, that seven-game series against the Cardinals, man, you know, we just – we got exposed from a pitching standpoint. Mm -hmm. 
And this year, it seems like this is this is just me. It just seems like the the batters, you know, our offensive guys have just decided we don't care. We don't care how many runs we're going to give up. We're just going to go out there and we're going to beat these guys' brains in offensively. And it and it doesn't matter if if we if they give up six, we're going to score seven. If they give up eight, we're going to score nine. And and I just think that's the attitude that you got to have. Whereas a few years ago, you know, the last couple of years, it's been, man, I hope we can, I hope the pitchers can hold down, you know, their lineup to three runs so that we can score four and maybe win. Right. This year, it doesn't, the mindset seems to be different. It seems to me, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It, you know, if the starter gives up five, that's okay. We've got, we've got the ability to come back and, and, and hang some crooked numbers on them and we'll beat them no matter how many they score. Yeah, it's it really has been that exciting. Yep, it's been exciting because you're right. That's it's what, almost like they they never give up. Yeah, and you know that we didn't have that before Snit. I guarantee. I mean, since since Snit came, it's been a different attitude around there with Gonzalez. We didn't have that. Uh, you know, Freddie was everybody's buddy, um, and we we didn't have that attitude. And ever since Snit came as the manager. It's, there's been a different attitude. There's been a different belief that they are never out of a game and that they can come back and win. I and agree. I, I think I attribute that all to it. I agree. Uh, on a lot of the forums and stuff, people and, – and it's just human nature as fans, I guess, but a lot of people are always bashing Brian Snicker. And sure, he's made some mistakes when it comes to who he should have put out there with the bullpen, and he's made some pitching – changes but there's something that he brings to the clubhouse that really ignites that offense because I remember his first year he came in as an interim manager and the Braves for the first half of the year had scored the least amount of runs in the entire league when he took over with the same lineup the Braves scored the second most runs in the entire major league baseball what changed the manager that's the only thing that changed yeah so that's the, to only, me, the, the same some, players. Yeah, same players. You're right. And so there's something about something he brings, at least on the offense side of the ball, that that we didn't have in the past. And I I am not on the train of we need to find a new manager if the Braves don't make it far this year. I think Brian Snicker is doing an excellent job. Well, you know, when they hired Snit, everybody was like, "Well, he's he's just going to be the interim till next year, and then we'll we'll bring the guy in that ended up going to the Kansas City, or they're going to bring in some established manager." But what I found interesting was the nucleus of the club: the Fred, the Freddie Freeman, the Mark Markakis. The, these guys were like, "No, this is our guy. We want this guy." They saw the difference. They felt the difference. They said, there's something different about this guy, and we want him to be our manager. And anytime you, you get in an organization to where the players or the employees or anybody are that supportive of management, then you've got something. And uh, I hope that they keep Snip. I'd love to see him get to the point um, – I'm, I'm not – I am a Ron Washington fan. Some of the other coaches that he has on his staff, I'm not big a big fan of. 
But I, I would like to see Snit, you know, get a pitching staff that, you know, that, that is at the ca- the caliber that we should have and then see what he can do. Because I think there's something about his demeanor or something, the way that he deals with the players individually. You know, I've never been in a situation where I see that, but you, you just get a feeling that the players love him, they respect him, and I think they respect it. Because they respect him because he respects them and he demands of them. And whereas Freddie, he was a good guy; everybody liked him. But to me, you know, when we went through that debacle of losing the lead in September under Freddie, and Freddie was just kept going, "Oh, it's just a game. It's just, a, you know." I, I think the players lost the respect at that point for him. And when Snit came in, it was a different attitude. And I, I'm, I want to see him get a you know get a pitching staff that he can really manage instead of having to constantly be bailing water which is what he what I feel like he's had to do for the last couple of years is you know he's he's been the ultimate fireman out there just trying to put fires out every time the the starting pitcher goes out there and gets rocked I agree and I'll say you know you can only manage the players you have and when your pitching staff is decimated, right. there's only so much you can do. Uh, but that's actually a kind of good segue into what I wanted to ask you. You know, we've t- talked back and forth some about I'm I'm real big into doing uh, deep dives into analytics and quote-unquote advanced metrics, and your call sign is old school, and you just kind of talked about it. How do you feel about these this new age of analytics, and do you have – do you – and do you have anything to say about them? Do you like them? Uh, what's your thought on them? And you can be I honest. I like here. them. You, you can be honest with me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I like them. I mean, I think it's interesting and cool, you know, that we're, we're tracking somebody spin rate on their curveball or, you know, the, you know, all these analytics, all these number crunching things that go on, you know, I, I I really love the movie Moneyball. I, I, I think that's a real interesting way to manage. But I think that you can, you get, sometimes you can go to the point where you lose the heart of the player. Uh, you know, there were guys that I grew up with, you know, Doug Rader, um, Rusty Staub. These are guys that you, you won't know, Sam, but. You know, they were never all-stars. They were, you know, they were never superstars. But they they played the game hard, and they played it right, and, and they were winners. Um, and I, I think sometimes, you know, it's it's, it's like my, my dad used to, he was a believer. If, if a little bit is good, then a whole lot is better. And I remember one time we were, we were going somewhere and we had a squeaky something in the car engine and he got out there and he oiled it and he just kept putting more oil and more oil in because he thought if a little bit is good, then a whole lot will be great. And he ended up, you know, basically destroying the engine because he put too much (laughs) oil in. (laughs) And that's kind of the way I feel like sometimes happens with managers, you know, they, they fall in love with the analytics and they forget the heart of the ball player. They forget that it's, it's a one-on-one competition. It's the guy, 
there's a guy standing out there on the mound and he's got to believe he in his heart he knows i can get this guy out or he or he's standing there thinking i can't get this guy out and it's up to the manager to get him in a situation where he either knows he's going to get him out or he or he knows i got to change and get somebody in there who i think can get this guy out and instead they're they're looking at the numbers they're looking at well this guy's a you know he he's he's got a batting average of of 328 against him as you know against right-handed hitters so you know this guy's a right-handed hitter we got to get a lefty in there but still it's a matter of at that moment you know what's that pitcher's heart what's his gut what's his competitive spirit is is this guy a fighter and if he is i'd rather have the fighter i'd rather have a guy that stands out there and says I'm gonna I'm gonna give you my best, and if you beat me, you beat me. But I'm gonna but you're gonna I'm gonna give you everything I have. And if you beat me, you beat me. I'd rather have that than some guy that you bring in from the bullpen, who you know he doesn't have that fighting spirit. He's just out there doing his job. Hey, I'm a left-handed hitter. I'm a left-handed pitcher. I'm coming in against a right-handed hitter, and I know how to get him. You know, um, I want. I want a guy that fights. I want a guy that's competitive. And the manager has to know. He's got to know his players to know. No, 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 I'm leaving this guy in. I, I, I know he can get this guy out. So that's, that's where my problem with analytics gets to is because it takes away from really knowing the player and examining the player's competitive spirit and his, his fire inside his belly. And – and, and at times I think the managers start, they start managing off a of paper instead of just managing the game itself. Man, that was really good. That was really good. I, uh, that was a very good answer. And, um, I, I thoroughly enjoyed listening to that. <laughs> I'm being honest here. Um, and that's one of the reasons I was really excited about getting you on the show is having perspectives like that. And, you know, I, I, I played a lot of different sports. I played basketball. I played golf. I played golf in college. And there were guys that, you know, okay, they didn't hit the ball as far. You know, they didn't have this wow factor that some golfers have where you just, you're standing on the range and you're watching them hit range balls and you're going, oh, my God, this guy is fantastic. But they, what they knew was the object of the game is get the ball in the hole in the fewest number of strokes. And it didn't, okay, maybe they didn't hit it quite as far or they didn't hit it as high or they couldn't put backspin on the ball or they couldn't, you know, move it left to right or right to left. The point was they knew how to win. They knew how to get the ball in the hole in the fewest number of strokes. And they would win. And I think that sometimes, you know, when you start just crunching numbers and running everything off of a spreadsheet, you lose that ability of uh, allowing a fighter, a competitor to be what he is, which is I'm facing the personal challenge uh, right here. It's me and that guy. And I'm faith. I'm going to face the personal challenge and overcome it. And uh, to me, that's the true essence of sport is facing that challenge, having that where, you know, okay, it's, it's me against this guy. It's one-on-one, me and him locked in a battle. 
and do, if I win, I win. And if I don't, I can accept that. That's the true essence of sport. Not some spreadsheet with a bunch of numbers on it. I love that. I love that. That's really good. And I agree. I, I, I definitely would say uh, when you take away the numbers and just look, uh, sometimes, you know, we forget when we're looking at numbers that they are, it's actual real players out there. They're not robots. They have emotions. And so that that's one of my favorite things about baseball is even though it's a team sport, it comes down to a one-on-one pitcher versus the batter. And that's one thing I really love about baseball. So uh, can you tell the listeners how they can listen or watch to the, watch the coach's daughter show? Yeah, we can, uh, they can listen on 104.3 ESPN. Uh, we're on every day, Monday through Friday, from 4 p.m. to 6 p.m. in the afternoon. Uh, it's a fun show. It's not a show where you're going to get, you know, super, I don't know what the word would be. Maybe, Sam, you could help me with that. But it, we're not like, you know, super analytical people who have spent – you know, years studying the game or anything like that. We're just fans. But we're fans who love the passion and, and the players. And and we believe it's supposed to be fun. The reason why we are sports fans is because it's fun to watch sports and it's fun to talk about sports. So I think people, the, the listeners would enjoy it. You know, we have some good personalities on there that we love each other, but yet we will. We'll tell each other that they have some bad ideas. Uh, and then also you can watch it on you can watch it on Facebook. You can watch us on YouTube. Uh, there's some exciting announcements coming up soon about television, and we'll, we'll share that here in the next few weeks about that. But uh, it's a fun show that's growing, and I think our listener base is growing. And we'd love to have more people listening. So we appreciate it. Well, I can uh, I can definitely confirm what old school is saying. Uh, I personally enjoy listening to the show, um, and also it is fun to watch it on Facebook too because you can interact with them on Facebook really easy, and they'll respond. and uh, And it's a really it's a very interactive show, which I, I think fans would really enjoy. So even if you live you know somewhere that's not Panama City, maybe you live you could even live abroad. Um, you could still be part of the show on Facebook. Uh, you don't even have even have to have like a, you don't even have to call in. You can use Facebook if you wanted, and and it, it's just a blast. So um, anyone that's listening to this, I highly encourage checking out the Coach's Daughter Show um, on on ESPN Panama City. Um, they have a website too that you can find them online. Or I use the TuneIn app sometimes. Uh, you can use that app and find them there as well. But uh, old school, thank you so much for coming on the show. I appreciate you taking time out of your schedule. I always have a blast whenever I get a chance to have a conversation with you about baseball. You bring such insight and wisdom to the conversations, and I feel like I learn something every time we talk. I'm sure the listeners will feel the same way after hearing this interview as well, so so thanks so much. It's been my pleasure, and Sam, thanks so much for uh, putting up with the old guy who you know just fights his way through changes. Um, you know, I... I my wife accuses me of be, having become a crotchety old man, and maybe I am. But, you know, it's only because I love the game, and it's only because 
of how much sports has meant to me uh, over the years. And I, I just, you know, I've, I've really enjoyed getting to know you and your ability to break things down. To me, it's opened my eyes as to the value of numbers and analytics. So uh, I've actually become a, a, a little more, how do I say this? A little more accepting of uh, the analytics than I was before. So that's, that is 100% due to you, Sam. So <laughs> I appreciate you so much. You've become a good friend and I appreciate you. I, I always have a blast whenever we get to talk um, about baseball. And yeah, um, that's a huge honor that you would even say anything like that. So I really do appreciate that. And I always have a good time whenever I get to interact with you and the other guys on the show. So, um, so thanks so much. And well, I appreciate uh, you. Yeah. I, I really appreciate you inviting me to be on the show and, uh, or on your podcast and any other time, um, you know, just call me and we'll, uh, I love talking with you about baseball. You know me. So anytime you want, I'm here for you. Awesome. Thanks so much. Wow, what a cool interview. I had so much fun talking to old school during that interview. I almost didn't want to get off the interview, but, you know, I want to keep the the episode short enough so you guys can listen to him on your way to work and back or however you listen to podcasts. Uh, thank you so much, old school, for coming on the show. You guys... Make sure you check out the show on 104.3 ESPN Panama City. You can find that show even if you're not local. You can get on Facebook and listen to it there. Uh, they have a, a site, 104.3 ESPN. They stream the show every single day. You can be part of the show. You can put in comments and talk to them. They'll respond to the comments on Facebook. You can call in. It's a great show. You can also use the app that I like to use when I can't get to Facebook if I'm just listening to the radio on my phone. This is not sponsored by them. I'm just telling you what I use. I use what's called the TuneIn app. It's a free app where you can select which radio station you want to listen to. I use that app, and you can listen to them from anywhere in the world. I highly suggest you checking out that show. It's a lot of fun. You don't have to be local. It's a it's a fun show. So if you get the chance to check out that show, I highly recommend it. It's every afternoon at 4 p.m. Central Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time. All right, that's the show this week. Next week, I'll be jumping into a recap of the playoffs so far. Hopefully, the Braves will still be in at that point. If not, I'll recap what they did. But fingers crossed, I think they have a great shot against the Marlins. So next week, look forward to that. As always, don't forget to check out our socials at DugoutPod on Twitter, Braves Dugout on Facebook, Atlanta Braves Dugout group on Facebook, Braves dugout at gmail.com if you want to email the show for topics and we also have our website posted all over those socials if you want to check out the website and if you'd like to support the show please do so obviously i'm not begging but it would be nice to get better equipment and stuff like that to continue to push out great content for you guys so with that go braves for the a mix it up let's win this thing against the marlins see you guys next thursday let's beat the fish